BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Just between us. a writer, director, and okay driver. Oh, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bi-con, bisexual icon, wink. Uh, and I'm pretty good at driving a golf cart. Really? Yeah, I used to do it when I was a kid for my dad. Do those uh, drive way differently than regular cars? A lot of starting and stopping. Are they all automatic or some manual? That's a great question. I think they are all automatic. I'm not sure. Imagine but... loving driving so much you make your golf cart manual. <laughs> I cannot drive a stick shift at all. No, me neither. And I feel like that was the thing my grandpa tried to teach me, and it was, like, not great. Yeah, I never even have tried to learn because I just don't think that my brain can work that way. I don't understand. I've had friends who, like, take pride in it. Yeah, like imagine if somebody knew how to like use something that's super outdated and unnecessary. Oh, or like, um, have you ever been to uh, like Colonial Williamsburg? Yeah, if you know how to churn butter. Yeah, so if you know how to churn butter, are you as as excited about that as you are about driving stick shift? <laughs> I've dated people who have stick shift. And then if we get stuck somewhere, or I always think like, what if you break your leg? What if something happens and I have to drive us? I can't. I know that I had the same situation, but we would just mostly take my car. Yeah. Or like, what if you like we go out and you accidentally get too drunk? I can't drive your car. I guess that's why they invented Ubers for stick shift <laughs> drunk people. For Inter gear shift coupling. Yeah. <laughs> Either both of you have to be manual or both of you have to be automatic. And they're, neither the twain shall meet. And you know what? I stand by that. And I don't approve of couples who are inter gear shifted. Wow. That's the most controversial thing that we've said so far on this podcast. I doubt that. Yeah, I know. Uh, this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty about stick shifts. Yeah, I'm making a hard line stance. I love to take a hard line stance on something that doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where, like, it brings people joy, so enjoy it. I guess if you want to drive, like, an old, cool car. Like, if that's your thing. If you love old cars. Or, like, it can make it so you're not on your phone because you have to be paying attention. You have to be using your other hand. You shouldn't be on your phone anyway. Okay, but are you telling me that you're never on your phone when you're driving? Only to change the song. Okay. Or to change, like, the the podcast. But even that I feel real nervous about. Yeah. Because, like, uh, that. okay, because remember that episode of Dawson's Creek? No, I didn't watch Dawson's Creek. Oh. 
Well, spoiler for Dawson's Creek, he's not even on his phone. The dad dies in a car accident because he's eating ice cream and the ice cream rolls off the cone and falls on the ground and then he goes to pick it up and then he dies. Why'd they kill off the dad? <sighs> that You're asking the real questions. Yeah, I like, think they wanted Dawson to have some angst. I don't uh, know. I got it. He seemed pretty angsty from the poster. Uh, we've got a great episode for you this week. Yeah, this week we're talking to Rebecca Nagel, who's a Native American activist, writer, and podcaster. We're going to be asking her some tough questions. And later we'll be talking all about what are we grateful for, because you know what week it is. It's Thanksgiving week. But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Renee, United States. I like the broadness and vagueness of United States. Yeah, she's not letting us make any assumptions about her. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Renee says, You are strong supporters of therapy for mental health issues, but just the idea of it makes me anxious. What should I do to fix this issue? I'm a high school student. The school has many guidance options. My mom wants me to take advantage of this while the opportunity is available, but I'm just too scared to and feel uncomfortable. I want to get better, but I don't know what to do. So we've talked a lot about therapy on this podcast, a lot about managing your mental health, but I don't think that we've like really narrowed into the issue of people who are afraid to even start that journey of getting better. Oh, it's really hard. I mean, I went to a a therapist, a new therapist for trauma therapy, and she was, you feel really vulnerable, and she was 10 minutes late to the appointment, and I I almost had like a full-blown anxiety attack. I feel like therapists shouldn't be late. No, no, no. They absolutely shouldn't. Like, it was like, but that's the thing is you walk in and you already feel so vulnerable that, like, I was at a a 10. You know what I mean? Like, I was primed. And so I totally get, like, the idea of going and sitting and even starting and, like, getting to – starting to talk to this person that you are going to be getting to trust but you don't trust yet. And, like, it's very, very fraught and precarious. And I think if you've never been to therapy, especially if you're younger, you don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but my guess is what you're talking about, if it's guidance opportunities, it's most likely talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And so really, it's something that you can sort of figure out the speed on, you know? Oh, interesting. Like you can sit down and you can be like, here's everything. Here's everything. Uh, here's what's freaking me out, you know? Or you can like... If you're more comfortable, you can take time to kind of get to know your therapist. And maybe you might feel like, oh, my God, like, I don't know where my anxiety comes from, let's say. Start Um, slow. Yeah, or like, or like you're you're afraid to go because like you don't know what to say. You're like, I just feel anxious. Like, what yeah. a, you know, like what is someone going to do with that? But just know that it's not on you to make it a successful therapy session. Like, you have to be an active participant. But, like, trust that you're with a professional and let them, if you're nervous, guide the conversation. Yeah, because they'll, they're, it's their job to get to the bottom of it. And to, like, figure out what to explore and what to talk about. And, you know, again, like we've said on this podcast, not every therapist is going to be for you. Right. So be open to saying this isn't working and finding someone else. And, like, that might be like, oh, well, why am I even going to start if I'm not going to find the right person? You know, I think I've heard a lot of, like, well, it's just going to take me forever to find somebody that I vibe with or what. I had a friend who, who thought that, like, the therapist would like take advantage of her or like trick her or make her do bad things and um I think again that's just probably your anxiety talking in right. a way to protect you 
from getting rid of it. <laughs> yeah, it's tricking you. Yeah. I mean, I've had cr- uh, multiple therapists over my life and not mm-hmm. all of them worked and not all of them were good and you're kind of on a learning curve. Like I had a male therapist for a while and uh, a, a cis straight white guy and I had to explain bisexuality to him. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't work for me. And so then the next r- round of looking for a therapist, I was like, I want a gay therapist. Like you just kind of are trying it on and seeing what actually like fits and what actually works for you and what will make you feel comfortable. And like, you don't have to be married to the first therapist you sit down with. And also, unless, like I said, like unless you're doing trauma therapy or you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy, like what to expect is very simple. Mm -hmm. Like you will just probably go in, you'll probably explain what brought you to therapy. Mm -hmm. And so for you, Renee, you would just say, I, you know, I feel anxious all the time. And that's something that I would like to get a handle on. Um, And then you, you can say, how do you think that we best address that? You know, Um, it's just talking. Like you're just really just talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even just going in and asking for practical tips too. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to start by being like, what are some breathing exercises I can do? Or what are, you know, do you have a meditation app that you particularly like? Or just kind of in it before bearing your soul, ask for maybe there's some like tips that the therapist has. And also in your specific case, I think it's so great that your mom wants you to do that. Yes. This is like family support on going to therapy is huge. She's clearly recognizing that that you could use this and that mm-hmm. it's something that will hopefully make you feel better. Like you don't need to, to suffer in silence. And also you're in school and this shit will never be free again. Yeah, exactly. Like this was going to cost you money in the future. So take advantage of the free uh, mental health care that your school is providing. I mean, I don't know if tough love works for you, Renee, but like you got to just fucking go. (laughs) Yeah. And don't have any expectations Mm -hmm. because if you go in and you're like, I'll be healed after one up, you know, session session, or if you go like, oh, I'm going to hate my therapist or you build up any expectations, uh, you're going to be let down. So just go in with like whatever happens, happens. And take pride in the fact that you're taking an active step towards getting better. Oh, this is such a huge, like, accomplishment. Like, you should, afterwards, you should get ice cream. Yeah, like, I'm saying, like, celebrate yourself. Like, that's a really huge, awesome step. And, like, yes, it's scary, but it's It's so worth it. It's It's worth it. And it's it's, going to start you on a better path. I'm sort of 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 the mind where I think your mom should make you go. Like, therapy was not an option for me growing up. It was mandatory and something I had to attend. And I thank my parents for doing that. Mm-hmm. So if your mom is listening, my my advice for you, Renee's mom, is is make it a mandatory activity. I mean, the mom can also go with you. Obviously, you're not going to discuss everything because it's like, you know, in front of your mom. But like the mom could go with you for the intake. The mom can sit in the waiting room. Like you can yeah. figure out whatever is going to make you the most comfortable. That's cute. But I think you got to go. <laughs> and uh, as we're going to speak about gratitude later on, be grateful that your mom wants you to go. And, you know, if you don't want to go for yourself, go for her. Oh, yeah. You know, because it, it's not easy to see your kids suffering. And so maybe maybe the motivation you need is to know that it will bring your mom some peace of mind and relief. Yeah, and it, and you can call her afterwards and tell her and tell her you went. And you know what? Think about how happy she'll be to hear that. Do it for your mom, Renee. <laughs> if you want to submit your international questions, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, Rebecca Nagel. Stick around. We'll be here. Just between us. 
Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit Truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code Just Between Us to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code Just Between Us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. We love to oversell here. I think we sell appropriately. Okay, yeah. I love to sell appropriately. (laughs) Um, This week, our guest is Rebecca Nagel, host of the podcast This Land and member of the Cherokee Nation. Hello, Rebecca. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Where are you talking to you from? Um, I am sitting in my living room in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Oh, I've never been to Oklahoma. Me neither. I've never even seen the musical. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. So we wanted to talk to you because when people are listening to this, it will be Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And um, we want to talk to you about a bunch of stuff, but just to start off, I know that Thanksgiving is is a complex holiday. Some sh- some would say an unnecessary holiday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and w- what is it like for you as um, a Native American to experience this holiday? Yeah, I mean, I think fall is kind of this time where a lot of Native folks kind of are just like, oh, man, because we have the trifecta of Columbus Day mm. and then Halloween and then Thanksgiving. Um, but, you know, I mean, I spend the day with my family, which is what I think a lot of um, Native folks do. But, you know, I think what's most important is for people to really correct the narrative of Thanksgiving and the story that is told about its origins because it whitewashes a lot of that history. Yeah, in what ways? I I mean, I think it's good for people to know about the tribe and the history of the tribe that, you know, is 
the Thanksgiving myth grew out of. Um, so the Wampanoag are a tribe in Massachusetts, and and I am not from that tribe, so I can't speak for them, mm -hmm. um, and I definitely can't speak for them and how the tribe feels about Thanksgiving. Um, but they're the tribe that built a relationship with the Pilgrims, um, really through a leader of theirs called Massasoit, who... Um, was a leader of the Wampanoag Confederacy in the 1600s. And there was, there was a period of peace between the settlers and um, some of the tribes in that region for about 50 years. So a lot of Massasoit's life, um, that peace continued to exist. Um, but it didn't last long. And mm -hmm. so um, after he died, there was a war um, called the uh, King Philip's War, where a lot of um, Native people were killed, and a lot of tribes saw a lot of death and destruction. And one of the people who was killed was actually Massasoit's son. Mm. And um, he had had a really different approach than his father. You know, he had grown frustrated with peace. He had seen the settlers, you know, not keeping their promises, not respecting the sovereignty of his tribe. And so, you know, he... Um, led a confederacy of tribes um, in war against the settlers. And actually, to make an example out of him, he was beheaded and his head was put on a stake. And so cool. there is a lot of violence um, in that history that is not, uh, yeah, that's not told, you know. And, um, you know, I think something that, uh, especially people who are celebrating Thanksgiving this year to know about is that the Wampanoag are actually currently in a long legal battle for their land today. So in the fall of 2018, the Trump administration took their land out of trust. And so if you're not Indian, you probably don't know what that even means. So basically, it's not all Indian land, but a lot of Indian land in the United States is held in trust for the tribe by the federal government. And so it's land that has special status. So it has, you know, there is different laws about like who has jurisdiction there. Um, it's where we can operate casinos. And it's the government actually, like the US government actually owns it. And then the tribes were like the wards of the government, we're the tenants almost. But the we have this sort of trust relationship with the United States where they're supposed to kind of take care of our land, if that mm. makes any sense. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's, um, it's still the tribe's land. Um, and so the Trump administration, in a move that I think surprised a lot of people, last fall took their land out of trust and said, you know, according to this kind of obscure thing from the Indian Reorganization Act, we say that you don't qualify as having trust land. And so, boom, it's gone. And it was a very small area of land, but it was an area of land um, in Massachusetts where the tribe was working to, had been working to build a casino and the casino was in construction. And so this whole process about whether or not they could have land and trust actually started with a non-native casino developer suing them and suing the government yeah. because they wanted, guess, you know, as you can probably guess, to build a casino there instead. <laughs> and I was so, so afraid that that's where this was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's really, I mean, you know, it is their homeland. It is literally the tribe that welcomed the pilgrims are trying to um, maintain their homelands in this century, you know, in 2018 and 2019. Um, I feel like I'm like 
giving you guys like loads of facts. No, <laughs> no, 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 this, no, no, no. Is, this is what we love. Yeah, this, this is, is so interesting. We, this is what we're here to learn. This okay, is what cool. we want to learn about because I think like, you know, most people, they're probably at their family's house and they're probably uh, just celebrating Thanksgiving and they have, you know, they learned the uh, elementary school version of it, which is like everyone became friends. And like, I think it's important to know that all of these things are going on behind the scenes with regards to Native Americans that we don't even like. We just think like, oh, yeah, it ended that day and everything's mm-hmm. good now. And like, it's so not. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, it's interesting to me, everything you keep saying, it's like, so we came here to settle. We, whatever, white people, came here to settle. And then and then somehow y'all are still under our thumb. Everything that you do has to go through the government. Everything that you do has to get, is, is at the whim of people in government's, like, w- real estate deals. Like, it's just like you're, you're still under the thumb of, uh, white people. While we're also saying that immigrants are terrible and ruining the country. Right. When we're, yeah, when yeah, we're no. immigrants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, federal ending law is really complicated. And I think there are a lot of ways to look at it as a really just like inherently oppressive and awful system. You know, mm-hmm. like it's literally built on the doctrine of discovery, which if you don't know what that is, it's like this piece of paper the Catholic church wrote in the like 1400s being like, if you Christian people go to a land occupied by non-Christian people, it is yours and they are all heathens oh and they can't own anything. And that's like literally the basis of federal Indian law in the United States. Like it's cool. still the reason that the United States legally owns land that was, you know, stolen is because they got the title from Britain and Britain got the title because all the people who were here weren't Christians. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it like still shows up. So there was like a Supreme Court decision in the 2000s where um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually cited the doctrine of discovery in her decision. What? valid? Yeah. Oh, no. I know, I know. No one is good. (laughs) I know, I know. She's actually, when it comes to Indian rights, she's really not good. Um, I was going to say. No, no, she's bad, yeah. Really? Sometimes she's okay. Like, she, a couple treaty rights that came out this last session, she sided uh, with the tribes. Um, But she wrote um, this decision called Cheryl, um, which was really, it was really bad. So she's written some some bad decisions it's interesting because she's so good on other liberal issues like Gorsuch like if you were like okay you know like you are like there's one justice that can decide whether or not tribes have any rights would you pick Neil Gorsuch or RBG and I would pick Neil Gorsuch he's actually he's like pretty good on uh treaty rights really yeah he comes from the 10th circuit which is like a area where there are a lot of tribes and so he just before coming to the supreme court had a lot of experience with those Mm, types of cases there's this like really hilarious npr uh headline that was like neil gorsuch is sympathetic to tribes and it's like actually he just follows the law (laughs) (laughs) like he knows the law which a lot of federal judges don't and then he follows it right (laughs) and that means that you know treaty rights still apply today (laughs) wow i was gonna say i think a lot of like liberal white women believe themselves to be up on on all this kind of stuff and then i think we we are we do a disservice to native american people in general yeah i mean i think of sort of the when you think about like social justice spaces 
you know, this idea of being well-educated about social justice issues, there's this way that Native rights are left out of that. Yeah. And I think in my experience, um, it can be a real hurdle for people because people like to think of themselves as informed and knowledgeable about stuff like this. And then they're confronted by their utter ignorance mm-hmm. and can't handle it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I've been in spaces with folks who push back more than you would think. Um, like they refuse to believe the truth? And not even like refuse to believe the truth, but I think refuse to accept their own, the level of their own ignorance. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Well, when you and, were talking, I was like, oh my God, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's, yeah. It's terrifying because it's... Yeah. It's so yeah. not discussed in our history. It's American history, and yet, where was that in school? Exactly. I mean, people don't even know, like, what a tribe is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's a tribe? It's like a group of people. And it's like, no, it's a nation that has existed since before the U.S. was created and was actually, like, you know, some of the first diplomatic relationships that colonists had. You know, like, I mean, it's you know, we're, we're countries, we're nations, we're also cultures and people, but our own self-governance predates the creation of the United States. And so I think the really unique political reality of tribes and Native Americans in the United States is something that most people don't really realize. People just think of us as kind of like a cultural or racial group instead of as being citizens of tribes that are governments that have their own rights within our country. Yeah. Yeah, it's all connected. Like, you know, I always think back, like, we're both Jewish, me and Allison, and, like, Germany has handled their apologeticness and their, like, trying to make things right for the Holocaust. Like, they're kind of a model country in that regard, whereas, like, I think we're the complete opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about what would it mean for like Germany to have like Hitler on currency? Right, exactly. Or to have like Andrew Jackson is on currency. Exactly. Or, you know, like to have a national day in honor of Hitler, like we celebrate Columbus. Columbus. You know, and so I I do think that we have um, so much work to do to acknowledge the fact that our country is founded in genocide. And, you know, I mean, what happened throughout the Americas is, you know, the largest genocide in human history. And people act like it didn't happen or that, you know, it's just disease and an accident. <laughs> exactly. I mean, even to hear you say it that way, like I I know what happened, but I never put the term genocide on it, you know, and I think that using those words, like making it so explicitly clear is so helpful and sort of like reframes the mindset, makes it un- you unable to to see it any other way. Yeah, yeah. And like, whatever, sorry to be a bummer, but like Thanksgiving, we understand that it's like you hang out with family and you talk about what you're grateful for. But like, what if we just divorced it from the genocide aspect? Yeah. <laughs> Like what if or what if in school we taught what actually happened? Right. Yeah, and I think and I think part of teaching what happened is teaching, you know, the strength of the tribes compared mm-hmm. to the colonies early mm-hmm. on, you know. Um 
and the fact that our tribes were really sophisticated at diplomacy and had diplomatic relationships with the colonies and then with the United States that the United States really relied on for the first chunk of its existence, mm-hmm. you know? And and then also acknowledging the harm that basically once, you know, those governments and those entities became powerful enough um, to ignore those promises and ignore those relationships and, you know, commit those atrocities of just what they did. Um, yeah. So I think, um, I think it's important for, um, just like all of the history with the United States, but I think particularly with native history for us to really correct the myths that have Mm -hmm. been told and to replace that with the truth. Absolutely. I know I've seen things like for Columbus Day to rename it Indigenous Peoples Day. Is there anything like that uh, is happening with regards to Thanksgiving? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, so since the, you know, one of the points of activism around think, uh, around Thanksgiving is since the 1970s, there um, has been a national day of mourning um, held in protest at Plymouth Rock every year. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's, you know, I think one model of Native activists gathering to raise awareness. That's great. But again, no media coverage of that. Very little. Yeah, very little. With Thanksgiving, I think a lot of people, you know, I think it's an individual decision if people want to celebrate it or want to not celebrate it. You know, I think Native people have mixed feelings about it, you know, mm-hmm. and I can't obviously speak for <laughs> Right, right, right. Um I think what is most important for people to do in, like, not just on this, like, one day that's particularly bad, Mm -hmm. you know, is throughout the entire year is to have their own personal awareness about this history, but then also be using, you know, whatever platform you have, even if it's just talking to friends or if it's social media, to, um, you know, understand the contemporary reality. And so that's, like, that's why, like, when I talk about Thanksgiving, I talk about the Wampanoag like fighting for their land Mm -hmm. today because it's not just historical you know it's what's happening what's still happening thank you so much this was so enlightening and just necessary necessary. thank you for coming on i really appreciate we really appreciate it and now would you like to play a stupid game show (laughs) sure (laughs) Um, okay so the game show is called hypotheticals uh you and gabby are the contestants i'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations you can ask as many questions as you want before telling me what you would do Okay, all right. So the first game is everyone's favorite game show, Would You Stay With This Cheater? Here we go. You find out that your spouse of 22 years cheated to pass the bar exam. They have gone on to become a powerful judge. Would you stay with this cheater? Also, they once drunkenly kissed your sister under mistletoe, but that was five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. How did they cheat to pass the bar exam? Um, they hired someone to go in and pretend to be them to take it. Okay. And, oh. Wow. And so they didn't actually take the test. No, like co- a complete cheat, a full cheat. Um, I, so, I mean, how do you find out that they cheated on the bar exam? Um, they get, uh, they have like a minor surgery. And while they're uh, recovering and still sort of loopy from, you know, the oh, anesthesia, anesthesia, yeah. anesthesia, they let it slip. 
um, what was what was the kiss with the sister? Like, honestly, to me, that's a little bit more of the disturbing detail. That, that seems were, like too much. They're like a very flirty drunk, as is your sister. And so they just, <laughs> you know, and they also love to follow a rule and mistletoe, you have to kiss. And Do so, they follow the rules? Because they cheated on the bar exam. Since then, they have been a hugely contributing mm. member of society and mm. have gone on to just be mm. a really wonderful judge. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. Really? Yeah, because I just feel like they don't have the morals and and like scruples that I would want someone I'm with to have. If they feel okay to kiss my sister, if they feel okay to cheat on the bar exam, like do I know them? Are they like what kind of person are they behind all of that? A very mm-hmm. good person. How can that be? <laughs> <laughs> People are complex and alcohol makes you do crazy things. Uh I don't Rebecca know. I've seen- Red flags. Red (laughs) flags, right? It's honestly like, I mean, cheating on a test is is bad. And then, but the sister thing, I just think that's, that's like no boundaries. You know, you got to have boundaries, you know? We love boundaries here on Just Between Us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But it ends up that you get arrested and then they make you go to jail because they're the judge. That can't be ah. right. There has to be some sort of rule that your ex-spouse can't be the judge. Well, they yeah. uh, they were the one who decided if that would become a rule, and they decided no. Wow, this well, shit is still, complicated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think it was the right decision to leave, because if they did that, and then they're clearly still a jerk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you did steal. <laughs> oh, so oh, you are okay. guilty. Yeah, well. you stole multiple Mustangs. Okay, our next game. Oh, my God. Are you an asshole? Your coworker is sick, so they ask you to present for them at a work meeting. You crush the presentation, and your boss is so thrilled, they fire your coworker <gasps> so they can pay you more. Oh, no. When you say, but it was their presentation, your boss says it was your unique flair that made it exceptional. Your coworker goes on unemployment, and you get a new office. Are you an asshole? Wow. I mean, you did tra- tell them whose it was. You didn't lie about whose presentation it was. That's true. How hard do you protest all of the changes, though? Uh, you give it a good five minutes. Oh, five <laughs> minutes? Of, I, of really protesting, though. I had this happen one time in college where my boyfriend at the time signed up for uh, auditioning for a sketch comedy group, and I uh, he got sick, and so I went to his audition, and I got the I got a place in the troupe, and he and he never got oh, into a troupe. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you used his sketch comedy presentation. That's true. I wrote right? my own sketch comedy, <laughs> so I guess you're right. I guess I guess uh, you're an asshole, and your bosses are assholes. And yeah. also, why? What kind of company has to fire someone in order to make money for the other person? That that it's Amazon. That makes no well, sense. Well, Amazon has oh. enough money. <laughs> well, I mean, and then does that suck for you? Because then are you doing two people's work? Uh no, they give you an assistant. I would oh. never work. I would quit, even though you just got double the pay and an assistant in a nicer office. Amazon's evil. Okay, so pretend it's not Amazon. Okay, so <laughs> pretend, pretend it's like like a real like, like the, Glad or like a really great yeah, organization. It's a great organization. Um, it's like the SPCA. Yeah, SPCA. <laughs> your coworker uh, was animals. a lab. Your coworker <laughs> was a Labrador Retriever, and now oh, they're on unemployment. Well like, okay, so the, the coworker who got fired is a lab. Yeah, they were airbudding. Okay. They were doing an airbud version of working for a, a company. All right, so we all agree uh, you're not an asshole. 
And they shouldn't have hired that dog in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, our final game. Would you lie or tell the truth? Okay. A man wearing a MAGA hat drops something from his luggage at the airport. You bend to get it and see it's $500. The man suddenly turns around and asks if you've seen any money. In addition to the MAGA hat, he is wearing an FBI female body inspector shirt. (laughs) Would you lie or tell the truth? I would keep the money. So you'd yeah. say you didn't see any money. I would say I didn't see any money. I would keep the money and I would donate it um, to Rain or I would donate it to uh, an organization like, you know, Planned I would donate Parenthood. it to Trevor Project or something. Planned Parenthood. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Rebecca? Yeah. yeah, I think um, uh, Stacey Abrams organization. Uh, what's it called? Fair Fight. Yeah. The voting organization. Yeah. I think that $500 was meant to go there. I'd be like, you know what? This is a sign. Yes. You know what? They were just posing as a bad person. And because you lied, they reward you with $15,000 for the charity of your choice. So we did the right thing. <laughs> we did the right thing. You know, what's worse, the MAGA hat or the female body inspector shirt? I really don't. I'm really torn on it's that. It's a toss-up. One, one leads how, to the other. Oh my yeah, God. how are they different? <laughs> yeah, they're really awful. Thank you so much for talking to us and for playing the game. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah, that thing. Um, So I'm on Twitter (laughs) at Rebecca Nagel. And uh, if people want to listen to the podcast, This Land, it is anywhere where folks listen to podcasts. And it's very well done and wonderful. Oh, thank you. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking about what we're grateful for, but not in the context of Thanksgiving. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code Just Between Us to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code Just Between Us. To just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X X X X X. So, despite uh, the controversial holiday Thanksgiving, I think that one thing that comes out of it is it gives you a reason to think about gratitude. 
uh, and to look into your life and see what you can feel grateful for. Uh, yeah. I mean, some people do make it a point to do that every day, like with gratitude journals and stuff. You ever yeah, seen that? Yeah, prefer that to Thanksgiving, but. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like, like, I, like, I, you know, like with Yom Kippur where they're like, that's when you apologize to people. I'm like, you can apologize any day. Yeah. But, uh, it is a good idea to talk about what we are grateful for. So, um, what are, what's one thing you're grateful for, Allison? I guess to start it off and just be super cheesy. Um, I'm very grateful for Jake. Aww. Are yeah. you going to tell him that? Uh, On Thanksgiving, <laughs> are you going to whisper in his ear, I'm grateful for you? I actually try to do that a lot. Um, I feel See, like... that's what I mean. Do it all the time. Yeah, like he'll do things where he'll just like wash the dishes. And in my head, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And then I debate whether or not to text him to thank him for washing the dishes. And I'm like, why not send the text? You should. Yeah, like I'd rather like just get in the habit of of always saying thank you and being appreciative mm-hmm. and because if you as soon as you stop sending those texts and you get out of the habit and suddenly even the bigger things you're doing you're not acknowledging like i think it's so important to always be like i see what you're doing and i appreciate it so much nobody's ever mad to receive a thank you text right um I uh, I also love to send like a thank you plant or flowers or oh that's nice but uh so I'm grateful for um I am grateful all the time that my family didn't even bat an eyelash at the gay stuff they never tried to make me feel like I was weird or bad or you know it could have gone so many ways I mean you're just you're just born into the family you're born into in that regard like by luck. They could have kicked me out. They could be, like, weird about my partner. Like, all these kinds of things. I'm just really grateful that I never had to deal with what, like, a lot of queer kids have to deal with. Yeah, I feel that exact same way about my parents and mental health. Mm -hmm. And that they were so hands-on and that they they always made me feel so loved. And they never made me feel bad for going through the struggles that I went through. I mean, I've said it a million times. I wouldn't be alive without them. Yeah. And also, I'm I'm just grateful that I like hanging out with them. (laughs) Right? You know, that, like, they're my friends. That, like, it's not like, oh, got to call my mom. I'm like, ooh, got to call my mom. What are we going to chat about? (laughs) You know? And because I've been thinking, you know, as you get older, your family is, like, friends come and go, like, whatever. Coworkers come and go. But, like, your family is, like, always your family. And so I'm so grateful that I get to actually enjoy them. Yeah. I mean, I think for some people, family isn't always your family. I think for Mm -hmm. some people, they don't like it is it is just lucky. Um, Oh, absolutely. And like, I think we both kind of got lucky in that in that regard. Like, you know, I'm grateful that my dad's sober now. Um, I'm grateful that I mean, I'm grateful that he's sober. I could stand less memes about sobriety on his Instagram, (laughs) but I am happy that he is sober. (laughs) I'm happy my dad's retiring this year. Oh, he is? I'm so grateful for it uh, for many reasons. One, he works so hard and is so stressed and, like, needs a break. And I'm just excited to have my dad without work. Like, it's going to be a whole different person. I can't wait. Aww. I mean, is he going to get into some hobbies? Oh, he has a list of 10 hobbies. But uh, oh, at great. least, like, when we're on vacation, he won't have to do the hobbies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he won't, like, my entire life, he's been so present and, and so you know, valuable in there, mm-hmm. but he, there's always work. It's always like he always had to like check his email. He had to make the call. He, mm-hmm. Like we're on vacation. He's got to go do a whole, he work got a thing. whole contract. You know, there's, it was always like hanging over us. And I'm so grateful now for like this next stage in his life where he can just be like fully present. So, I mean, I, I am grateful for like, you know, like not being sick. Like my, you're grateful for your health. I'm grateful for my health. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I feel that way too. I'm grateful that that I'm like got, have been able to get help for mental illness stuff. That I like have the means to do that. Mm-hmm. That like I've been able to uh, just spend any money I have coming in on various mental health <laughs> remedies <laughs> that are just hopefully gonna fix this whole situation. Um, and like. I'm I'm grateful that I have an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful for my dog. Yes, I'm grateful for my dog. Like she's, look, is she like the dog I would pick out if I had to like make a dog on a computer? No, but she's a great dog. <laughs> I just Beans is just so loving, and like I, I like I just the unconditional love is so wonderful and sweet. And, like, thank God for dogs. We don't deserve them. I know. I love dogs. I'm so appreciative of dogs. And I'm also appreciative that sugar is just, like, easy. Like, I can just bring her places and she can just hang out. Yeah. It's not necessarily unconditional love, but, like, she's around. Yeah. I can't imagine coming home and not having a dog. It'd be so quiet. Like, the few times that's happened, because either, like, she's at the groomer or she, you know, I don't know where she is. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, it's such a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) What else? I'm uh, grateful that my sister and I have a relationship. I think oh, that. Oh yeah, me too. Like when we were younger, we we did not, and the fact that we have one now is is really great, and I'm I'm, I'm grateful for it, and I'm grateful that she gave me my two nieces, Aww. my little babies. Yeah, I'm gr- I'm grateful for Cheyenne and my relationship now too. It really really was was not gonna. It seemed like it was DOA there for a while, but, <laughs> but we've really come back around. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm grateful for, like, the ability that I have to, like, want to do my dreams. Oh, yeah. Like, to, to have ambition and follow through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and for, like, my weird personality and, like, all the things that I, I guess all the things that I thought were negatives, like queerness and being kind of weird and loud or whatever, um, I'm grateful that they've, I, I never shut them down or I never, uh succumb to any desire to like be something different confidence i'm grateful for confidence i feel that way too i feel like that's been new yeah 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 like that like i look at like early 20s people and i'm like oh man you're not even a person yet like right i know it's like horrible to say but it took me so long to like become a person who like felt confident and like comfortable in the world and that's not all of the time but it's enough of the time that it's like such a relief compared to growing up Oh, my God. I'm so grateful to be in my 30s. I'm grateful to be in my 30s. Who thought I would say that? Oh, please. Right? I'm I'm grateful. Look, I take 28, but I'm grateful to no longer (laughs) be like a teenager or a young adult. No. It's so – I mean, look, if you're listening to this and you're that age and you feel good about it, then feel good about it. But let me tell you, hitting 31, it's great. Just knowing that, like, you can change so much. I'm I'm grateful for how much I've changed, and I'm mm-hmm. grateful to know that I can continue to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm also grateful about all, like, the mental health advocacy I've been able to do mm-hmm. and the fact that, like, even though I wanted to just sort of be a, a scripted writer, I've kind of gone on this journey that lets me talk a lot about my own experiences, and I'm, I'm grateful that, like, they've, A, been, like, well-received, and B, like, I think maybe have, like, helped people be more comfortable in their own experience. Oh, the ability to help people is such a gift. Oh, yeah. The gratitude, like, to to uh, to helping people and to having people, um, having a platform where people are coming to you to seek help. That's, like, the coolest. Yeah. 
I was listening to a podcast where a woman had like a stroke or something when she was like maybe in her 40s and she was like what have I done with my life like I haven't done anything with my life which obviously wasn't true but was her point of view yeah and I was like oh I feel like I have done something with my life Mm -hmm. like I you know maybe not like on the scale of other people but like I have helped at least one person go to therapy or I've helped at least five people get on meds like you know and, and that is like so cool and so satisfying and I'm so grateful for it yeah, because uh, I think a lot of people are wake up and they're kind of like, how how can I help other people? What can I do to help other people? And we were sort of gifted this platform where we're able to do that. Same thing with, with queerness. It's like I was so ashamed of this thing and I'm so grateful that I grew out of being ashamed and am able to like be on this show helping people. Mm-hmm. Grateful <sighs> uh, for great content. I love podcasts. I love TV. I love books. I love movies. <laughs> You know, like love a good TikTok. I, no, but I, TikToks are hilarious. I guess I like TikToks. I love memes. Like I, I just like love enjoying content and like storytelling and being able to escape into another world. Like I, I love that we have that, and and part of that makes what we do feel more valuable because yeah, we're not like doctors, but people need to read, they need to watch things, they need mm-hmm. to enjoy and laugh. And I'm so grateful for all of the creators and artists who have like given me that content. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the people in our government who are doing the right thing. The P- Congress people or the people who are uh, fighting the good fight every day or like any or not even in government but just activists or like any people that are like on the front lines trying to fight for healthcare or help you know trying to fight for um LGBTQ rights or trying to fight for student debt uh, forgiveness like the people that like have dedicated their lives to these kinds of things to to ending the prison industrial complex to uh decriminalizing and legalizing marijuana like all these things you know that are just like seem like uphill battles that people that have the strength to fight it i think are um gifts yeah and i'm i'm grateful for the youth that's fighting back Oh, yeah. Thank thank you. (laughs) Yeah, like truly. And like, and like, I mean, it just seems right. Obviously, like if you're a gun control activist, you're up against like the NRA, which is like such a big, a big, you know, mammoth. It seems like you'll never like a Goliath that, Mm -hmm. you, you know, but but you go out there and you try to do what's right. And like, I just am grateful for that. Grateful for antidepressants. (laughs) <laughs> you know i'm yeah. grateful for the strides we've made in in medicine <laughs> as opposed to just like a lobotomy and some lithium yeah totally <laughs> what else i feel like oh uh i'm grateful for ice cream <laughs> yeah and like sweet treats i mean also uh like i'm grateful that we live in in la and that we or that we live in a place where we don't have to like hide who we are Mm-hmm. Like that you're you can be like a feministy liberal woman and you're not going to be like shunned from, you know, from your public life or whatever. Yeah, I'm so lucky that I am uh, born into a liberal family. Yeah. Or just I mean, also just that you live somewhere that like that, like you are surrounded by like minded people. Yes. And that like I don't have to feel like I'm fighting my own family about important values that I share values with my family is really helpful. And even friends that you share values with friends. It can be so hard sometimes with like, 
you know, friends uh, that you've loved, like, for your whole life or whatever, and you live in a place where it's accepted that they're going to be, you know, anti-abortion, that they're going to be, like, anti-gay rights, that they're going to be, you know, like, and, and I think it's something that you and I don't really have to contend with, which is great. I mean, I'm grateful for my privilege. I know that's, like, fucked up to say, but, like, I was born incredibly privileged. Exactly. And, like, I'm grateful for it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, but like I also have to be super cognizant of it. Yeah. Tamika, do you want to come on in and list everything you've ever been grateful for in your entire life? <laughs> okay. Tamika, what are you grateful for? I am grateful to be in California. Ooh. It's new for me. I haven't been here for very long, maybe like a month. Yeah. Oh, right during our hottest time. Yeah. It's also like a huge life change. I like packed up everything mm -hmm. and have a new chapter in front of me and I have no idea what's going to happen. Oh. And you're grateful for that? Yeah. That's I think so it's, sweet. I think it's exciting. That's a great outlook. And I think wonderful things are to come. Have you guys ever done that? Just packed up everything and started over somewhere? Oh, yeah. I moved from New York to, uh, well, I moved to Boston for college, but that college gives you a little cushion. But I did move from New York to Los Angeles with no plan. Mm. No plan. And I thought the boy I was dating was going to come with me. And guess what? He didn't. <laughs> so I was just out here in L.A. Blessing in disguise. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> How would we rate the episode? I give it uh, uh, nine out of nine fuck Columbuses. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck him. If you do even a cursory reading on what he did, it's so bad. It's, Yeah. We got we got to rename a lot of holidays. And we should take Andrew Jackson off our money. Jesus Christ. Aren't they doing that though? Well, they keep pushing. They want to put um a, a woman on the on the money Harriet instead. Tubman? They want to put Harriet Tubman, but like it's such a uphill battle and of course Trump hasn't helped in any way. Oh, Trump hasn't helped? That's so weird. You can actually there's <laughs> Has he an, made things much worse? Yeah, there's an episode of my podcast Bad with Money uh all about putting Harriet Tubman on money. So please check it out. You can find out more about it and why Andrew Jackson sucks. <laughs> Tamika, what's your what's your official rating? God, it's a I deer in headlines every it, time. Every time. <laughs> I have nothing nothing cool to say. I mean, I can give it five out of five stars. I really liked uh, Rebecca's interview. I thought it was really informative. It just exposes how much you don't know mm -hmm. about things you think you know a little at least. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, no, I nothing. Yeah, I, I loved her interview. It made me feel so stupid. I also wanted to say I really appreciated how much gratitude you both had for so many things. I was in the booth uh, just listening to all of the things you were listing that you're grateful for. And I was like, wow, if I was counting this, it'd be a long list. So that's really nice. Oh, thank you. I think as you get older, you get more grateful for the little things. Hopefully. Or you just get more bitter. Yeah, like a Scrooge. Yeah, like a, just <laughs> an angry old white man. <laughs> um. I I thought uh, the funniest part was that when you were doing the hypothetical about if you would lie or not, that I was like, you take the money and donate it to charity. And then Rebecca didn't even think, like, was just like, went into what charity she yeah, would donate know, it to. And like, didn't, didn't even grapple with it at all. Was just like, here's the charity I would give it to, as if that's the obvious answer. Which like, I think it is. Yeah, I know. I just loved that it's, it, she didn't even ethically think about it at all. 
Thank you, Rebecca Nagel, for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon, and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. You know what? Play this episode for your family at Thanksgiving. I think they'll like it. Oh, yes. No one can talk. Yeah, make everyone silently listen to this episode. Might be more fun than normal. Stitcher.